Konnichiwa. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Nihongo Master Podcast, bringing you Japanese cultural and language content every week. Season 11's topic is Japanese Spring, which is arguably one of the most popular times of the year in Japan. This season, we've zoomed into a few aspects of Japanese Spring, like the significance of sakura, hanami traditions, and festivals. Now that we've come to the end of this short season, I have with me today's special guest to wrap up Season 11's theme. All the way from Gifu, it's John from Japan, Australia. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's nice to be here. Okay, so tell us a bit about yourself and your background. Okay, my name's John. Uh, I go by the name of John Asano for my travel work. And I'm a travel blogger and travel writer here in Japan. Uh, I'm the guy behind uh, Japan Australia, the blog Japan Australia. So as you can guess, I'm originally from Australia. I'm originally from Melbourne uh, in Australia, and this is my second time now in Japan. And I'm based out of Gifu. I live uh, and work out of Gifu here, right in the heart of Japan. How long have you been in Japan? So this is my second time. Uh, the first time I was here for about 10 years. Oh, uh, then wow. I went back to Australia. And then I came back again here in 2013. So I guess I've been back just over nine years. Wow. So I bet you're like fluent in Japanese. No, I wish I was. <laughs> I can get by. <laughs> Basic stuff in everyday life is okay. And a little bit of business Japanese as well. Just stuff oh. I use for, for work. But uh, I still struggle with like uh, keigo and like um, really polite Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> so do you need Japanese for work or just mainly English? Uh, it depends on, on the work. It's my travel work and I'm, I'm visiting a, a town or a city and I'm helping them promote their town or city, then a lot of the business meetings will be conducted in Japanese or if I'm getting information from the local people, I'll be chatting to them in Japanese and kind of interview, you know, interviewing them and then asking them questions and stuff like that. A lot of the times I will record like a little uh, voice recorder because then I can play it back and, and kind of catch uh, anything I missed. And sometimes when you travel to different regions in Japan, you hear different accents, which can be very difficult sometimes. Yeah. It's very difficult. Even the Japanese people are very difficult to understand what the other person's saying. So have you been living in Gifu the whole time or were you living in other parts? Only Gifu. I've only lived in different parts of, uh, of Gifu prefecture. So I've lived in like, uh, what, five or six different parts of uh, mm -hmm. the prefecture, mostly around Gifu city, which is kind of the capital. So even the first time, the did you say 10 years of the first time? Yeah, exactly. The first time uh, I ended up in Gifu. Now, don't ask me why I didn't choose Gifu. I guess Gifu chose me. But uh, when I first applied to come to Japan, I had three choices. And I think I just chose the top three or the biggest three cities. So my first choice was Tokyo. My second choice was Osaka. And I think my third choice was Nagoya. Mm -hmm. And Gifu is just outside of Nagoya, I guess. It's almost like a suburb mm. of Nagoya. And that's why they ended up putting me in Gifu. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you, um, for the first time when you came to Japan, what were you doing? I came here to teach. So I, I came straight out of university. I did a business uh, degree at university with a focus on international trade. Mm -hmm. So part of my course was to study a, a, a foreign language and I studied Japanese. So I thought I'll come to Japan just for a year. I'll teach a bit of English, uh, improve my Japanese. Then I'll go back to Australia and get a business job there. And I stayed for a year and I loved it and ended up being another year and another year and another year. And eventually it led on to being 10 years. And then you left and then came back and now are you doing full-time writing and travel for your job? 
No, I do. It's mainly uh, it's a, it's a part time. I do it freelance and part time. I work out of a I lecture at a university part time as well. So during the the weekdays, I'm I'm lecturing at a university, and uh, I have uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, which I can focus on my my travel writing and traveling to uh, you know visit new places and write about them as well. Give us a bit of background of Japan Australia. I started Japan Australia when I first went back to Australia after my initial ten years here in Japan. So it was around two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. I started the blog, and basically, I only started it because I wanted to keep a connection to Japan. I was here for ten years, and I had a lot of you know, information, a lot of knowledge about Japan. I was passionate about Japan, so I wanted to share that with people. But I also wanted to share um, stuff about the area which I lived in Australia. So hence the name Japan Australia. The mm-hmm. idea of the blog was to be like a 50-50 split between Japan and Australia. But eventually it moved over just to being on a, a heavily fo- Japan-focused blog. So now about 99% of the content is uh, Japan-related. So are there any challenges that you faced when you started this Japan Australia? Yeah, I didn't know anything about blogging. It was kind of still new at that mm-hmm. stage as well. So I didn't know how to start a blog or you know, what kind of platform could I use? What do I do? How do I do this thing? So I chose uh, Google because Google was one of those big, well, still is one of those big companies, right? So yeah. I chose uh, Blogger. So I started with that, but I didn't know what I was doing. So I was making a lot of mistakes. I studied a little bit about blogging and how you go about doing it and you know, social media search engine optimization and all that stuff. So I was kind of interested in it and it kind of uh, was a passion of mine as well. And I, I learned about it and kind of followed the things I was learning about. Wonderful. So who would you say is your main audience for the content that you create? Well, it's, a, it's Australia and Japan. The biggest uh, audience would be, number one would be Australia. Australia. Number two would be Japan. So I guess expats or foreigners living in Japan. And then the, the rest is made up of um, you know, mainly people in America, the UK, but of course, yeah, a lot of people in Australia as well. Australia has a really strong connection mm. uh, with Japan. We have a really good relationship with Japan in terms of a business sense, but also a lot of Australian tourists were visiting uh, Japan up until you know, the pandemic uh, struck. Mm. Well, speaking of the pandemic, has it affected your um, business and job? Yeah, business-wise it has. I was doing mm. a lot of trips before it started, um, you know, visiting places to help them promote it. Uh, promote themselves and get the word out about uh, their tourist attractions and stuff like that. So a lot of those uh, trips have been postponed or cancelled. I'm trying to promote a lot of places. So when the country does open up again to tourists, uh, people have an idea of where some good places to get to and where some good off the track, off the beaten track, you know, hidden destinations as well, which they can visit. So spring is finally here. And I heard that Japan's um, cherry blossoms are already blooming. So that's nice. And season 11's theme is Japanese Spring. What are your thoughts and experience you'd like to share with us from Gifu and anything? Yeah, well, it's just started here basically uh, this week. I think on Monday, the first cherry blossoms open. So uh, usually we expect the, the peak to come like a, a, about a week after they open up. So I'm expecting it maybe this weekend or early next week to be the peak. Gifu is one of the coldest places in Japan. We're like a landlocked prefecture and we're surrounded by very high mountains. So where I live, I live in the rural part of Gifu. We get a lot of snow in winter. So I always look forward to the warmer weather that spring brings. So it's like a relief from the cold. It's like, yes, it's finally warm again. But uh, here in, in, in Gifu, in central Japan, too, we have a lot of plum blossoms which open up uh, kind of the end of winter into early spring, so just before the cherry blossoms. 
kind of my first uh, thoughts, my first impressions of spring are the plum blossoms, which open up. And then they're followed by the cherry blossoms, which we have usually towards the end of March or early April different things to check out. So it's always like an exciting time of the year. And it's a time of change here in Japan as well. So the school year starts in April, uh, spring as well. So the cherry blossoms uh, kind of signify like a new start or fresh start. So like Gifu, I'm just looking at the map right now, it like it goes up to, it's more like like long. And are you like near Nagano? Yes, it's, it's, yeah. it's like that bit. Ah, yes, okay. yeah, we kind of, Gifu fits, kind of Gifu connects to Nagano. So mm-hmm. the Japan Alps, Kind of, it's like the spine of Japan. The Japan Alps are in Gifu and Nagano. So, like, are there any any like routines for like when spring comes around in Gifu? I know in Tokyo, all my friends, whenever spring comes around, they just they go on like a cherry blossom hunt. They go to all the spots, but that's about it. <laughs> you know, is there any unique ones in in Gifu? Yeah, we do the same. Like when spring comes around, we we hit up all the main uh, cherry blossom spots. There's quite a, a few famous spots around uh, Gifu, Gifu City and Gifu Prefecture. So we check them out. But oh, I also love like the spring food and drinks that come out, like the Sakura themed stuff. Like Starbucks every year, they bring out like a new version of their Sakura latte and the Sakura frappuccino. And you find like uh, Sakura donuts and uh, cakes and like mochi and stuff like that. So I love the like the sweets and the food that goes along with spring as well. So it's like a whole whole experience. It's really cool. Yeah, everywhere you go, it's like Sakura-themed everything. So it's really great. Yeah. It makes you in the mood for it, you know, not just the trend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if you like beer, for example, you, you find like around springtime, the beer cans have like a spring design on them, like they'll have cherry blossoms on them as well. So once you see that, once you pick the can up, you see, oh, this is perfect. And you have one of those <laughs> under the cherry blossom trees. It's like, it's heaven. Yeah. <laughs> like, my favorite drink is the horoyoi, anything horoyoi, just because it's easy to drink. When spring comes around, they always have like the, well, they always have a new one each year and it changes like the flavors, but they always have the cherry blossom patterns on it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're so cool. And those, some of them change slightly from year to year as well. Mm-hmm. You notice like little differences in them. So I used to collect the cans as well because they're, they're so so beautiful like how can i throw this away it's like a piece of art so they're really really cool i like i think maybe three four years ago i drank a a lychee one and then it went away for like years and years and then it came back last year and i was so happy (laughs) so it was like that's (laughs) the kind of joy that spring brings me lychee horoyoi basically That's what it does. Like it brings smiles to people's faces. Like they yeah. kind of, uh, you know, winter's kind of the hibernation time and everyone's indoors and stuff like that. And then spring comes along and everyone's kind of heading outdoors, you know, they're having their hanami parties, they're getting out and enjoying the sunshine. So mm. it kind of, you know, it makes people come alive again, I think. And that's a good thing, yeah. Do you have any tips and advice for those who want to travel to Japan to experience Japanese spring? Yeah, keep an eye out on the cherry blossom forecast. So a lot of websites have like a cherry blossom forecast where you can kind of follow along and they'll update it regularly and they'll give you advice on when the cherry blossoms are kind of anticipated to open and also when they're going to hit their full peak, you know, the best time to see them as well. It changes slightly from year to year. Like this year, they opened up, uh, I think it was quite early. It's like a week or, or so earlier than usual. Normally comes out, the first edition, I think, comes out like in January. But the cherry blossoms start uh, down in Okinawa in January. We'll move through central Japan and then we'll hit Hokkaido in like May, early May. So you have quite a long season here. So if you're coming, if you're planning to come to Japan and like one of your main goals is to see the cherry blossoms, 
if you pick up a Japan Rail Pass, you can come here for, if you're here for an extended period of time, you can come here and kind of follow the Cherry Blossom Front. You know, if you want to go from Kyoto or Nara, you can start there and then move up through central Japan and head north to Tohoku and then Hokkaido. So, yeah, planning is important. Yeah, I think especially when the borders open up again, everyone's going to go for, for the Cherry Blossoms. But it's going to be so crowded because even last spring, it was already crowded and there were no tourists. So Yeah, that's why it's good to know, you know, the, a lot of places have their main place that they, they have, but it's good to know some kind of um, secret places, I guess, where they're not so crowded. You can find uh, places where there are not so many people, so you can kind of enjoy it a lot more without all the crowds as well. Do you have a, a spot in Gifu where you go for Sakura, where there's not a lot of people? Yeah, I have a lot of spots I go to. <laughs> I, I like, um, there's a spot in Gifu City, there's a famous mountain called Mount Kinka, and on top of the mountain is Gifu Castle. Flowing by the, the mountain in the castle is a, a river called the Nagara River, which is one of the most famous rivers in Japan. Along the river, there's a lot of cherry blossom trees. Then around the park, Gifu Park and Gifu Castle, stuff like that. So it's usually quite quiet there, especially if you go um, early in the morning or in the evening as well. So you can find a spot to yourself. You can just sit down under the cherry blossom tree and, you know, enjoy like a picnic lunch or something like that. And you can almost get it to, to yourself. There's not so many people there. Yeah, that's nice. When I was staying, I was staying in Tokyo, but like in Kanagawa technically. But then like it takes like 20 minutes to get into Shibuya. But there's like a nice river. And at that river, there's like just rows and rows of sakura trees. And that's like my best spot because no one goes there, only the locals. Yeah. Any, any river, a lot, of, a lot of the rivers here in Japan are kind of lined by cherry blossoms. I guess they planted them there uh, whenever they did. But uh, yeah, they're normally the best places to go. You know, you have parks and things like that, but parks are usually crowded. Yeah. But you can find some nice spots just along the river. And because it's, it's so long, it's like kilometers and kilometers of cherry blossom trees. You can just find a spot that's not taken and it's quite, uh, quite empty and you can take it to, you know, for yourself. Like Yoyogi Park, have you been to Tokyo for cherry blossoms? You can't even see the grass anymore because it's all just people have been like sitting on it for loads, right? So, but then it's like one of the best spots and you Google online and everyone says it's the best spot. And you're like, no, it's not. <laughs> a lot of people, a tip if you want to get a spot too, a lot of people, uh, like for example, if you're planning to have a Hanami party tonight, a lot of people will get there first thing in the morning, like really, really early in the morning and they'll put their blue sheet down, kind of mark their spot. Uh, this is my spot. And they leave their blue sheet there and they'll go off and go to work. And then after work, they'll, you know, with their family or friends, they'll go back to, to that spot and they have their you know, place marked out already. But you'll find everywhere around you is, is, is crowded. You can't even move sometimes. It's so busy. Yeah, it's so crowded. Oh, wow. I didn't know people go down in the morning for that. That's some dedication. <laughs> or Thursday oh. morning and put my sheet down, make sure I've got my spot, yeah. Oh, that's mad. Interesting, but really good, really good tip, yeah. Yeah, for a tourist, it's hard to do, right, because you might just be there for the day, so yeah, but the local mm -hmm. people will do that, yeah. Mm -hmm. That shows you how keen they are, how, how enthusiastic they are to, to get a good spot and they really want to enjoy that Hanami party. Mm -mm -mm. So right now, Nihongo Master is in the midst of our Tour of Japan campaign and we've recently launched into the Chubu region. And, well, what do you know? You're in Chubu. Tell us a bit about Chubu, um, its fun fact, and life over there. Yeah, it's a, it's a great part of Japan to be in because you're in the central uh, part of Japan. 
And Nagoya is the major city. Nagoya is kind of like a transportation hub. So if you're here in the Chuba, Chuba area, it's easy to get to any other part of Japan. Like uh, from Nagoya, you're about 30 minutes away from Kyoto and you're about an hour away from Tokyo mm. on the bullet train. So it's quite convenient to travel uh, around Japan. But it's famous for its beautiful natural landscapes. Like the Japan Alps, as I mentioned earlier, the Japan Alps run through Chubu area. So you have a lot of beautiful nature, mountains, rivers, hot springs, things like that. But there's also a very authentic part of the country. And you'll find a lot of uh, historic places, historic sites here. For example, uh, you know, very well-preserved Edo period towns as well. We have one here in Gifu called Takayama, Hida Takayama which is one of the, the most beautiful preserved Edo period towns in Japan. Uh, they call it the Little Kyoto of Gifu. Mm. So it's beautiful for its architecture, its temples and things like that. We also have Shirakawa-go, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Village. It's famous for those houses with the slanted uh, thatched roofs. It's very beautiful in winter when it's covered in snow. But it's also nice in spring when the cherry blossoms pop up as well. We have a lot of uh, history and culture here as well. So it's a place where you can kind of get in touch with nature, but you can also experience culture firsthand. And it's very authentic. It hasn't really been tainted by the tourists so much uh, as uh, places like Tokyo and, and Kyoto have. Yeah. So would you recommend travellers to visit Chubu during spring for the cherry blossom season? Yeah, I think spring, either spring or autumn would be the best time to visit because spring is nice because we have a lot of rivers here. So there's a lot of really good cherry blossom spots. But also because we have a lot of mountains, uh, you see a lot of beautiful, uh, you know, fall colours, autumn foliage and stuff like that in the fall. So they're the two best times of year uh, to visit uh, the, the Chuba region, in my opinion. Yeah. How how hot does it get in summer? Because when I was in Kyoto, and it's a mount, it's like a, that kind of region as well. It's so warm. How is it in in your area? It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy hot. Yeah. Uh, especially Gifu, where I am, it's uh, because we're landlocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, the heat kind of gets trapped in. Mm-hmm. So there's a place in, in Gifu Prefecture called Tajimi, and it has the actual highest recorded temperature in all of Japan. So every summer it kind of hits that, that high high temperature. So, yeah, it's, it's quite uh, unpleasant, I guess, in <laughs> summer. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't recommend summer. Yeah, so maybe not. <laughs> but if you like winter sports, again, like I said, the Chubu area gets a lot of snow and you like skiing and snowboarding. I also recommend uh, winter if you're into your winter sports as well. If you like um, history and culture, like I said, this part of Japan is really, really good for you. Um, we had Gifu and Aichi have had a lot of the famous samurai warriors and leaders here as well. Like the three unifi- unifiers of Japan are from this part of Japan. So we have a lot of castles and castle towns and like old historic towns. Um, we have the Nakasendo route, which was an old route which used to connect uh, Edo, which is Tokyo now, to Kyoto. And you can walk from a town in Gifu called Magome. You can walk like the original, the original trail from Magome to Sumago in Nagano. So if you like your history and culture, this is definitely one of the places you should visit in Japan. Let's change things up a bit and I'm thinking about having a section of expectations versus reality kind of thing because spring in Japan has always been put on such a high pedestal and um, both of us have lived in Japan maybe people want to know a bit more on the reality side of it what do you think okay sounds good let's do it so in our season 11 episode 5 we went a bit into the tradition of hanami which is cherry blossom viewing where people have picnics 
Some people throw parties as well, and it can be an all-out drinking sesh, right? It all sounds fun, but what do you think? Do you think the expectation of a hanami and the reality is the same? Oh, the reality exceeded my expectation when I when I think back about it. Like when I first came here to Japan, I didn't know much about it. And we had a lot of like work hanamis where you we head out after work with your, your work colleagues and stuff like that. So usually at work, my, my work colleagues like were very serious at work, like and not really enjoying themselves so much, I guess. Uh, just dedicated to the job. Like that's kind of the tradition here in Japan. You dedicate yourself to your company. When we had our first Hanami party, I was amazed at how open they were and how different they were from how they were in the work environment. So I guess they were outside of work, you know, Hanami party where they could kind of enjoy their surroundings and, and open up a little bit more. So I was just kind of surprised at how, how different they were. Yeah, that's true. When I first came to Japan, I, I just came on my own and I, I love Hanami and all, but I I feel like it was more of a social thing, you know, like you said. And I barely had any friends and it was kind of weird to go like to like to the park where everyone was there and you're just sitting down with your mat alone, you know? What do you think? Do you think it's okay to do it alone, Hanami? I think it is, yeah. It's becoming more common uh, over the last few years as well. And uh, I, do, I do that myself. Like if I'm working somewhere and, uh, and I have a, like a lunch break and it's during spring, I'm like, okay, let's see if I can pop outside somewhere and let's find a, a cherry blossom tree. It might just be one tree, but it doesn't really matter. And you just sit under the tree and maybe you have your lunch, you have your, your bento box or whatever. And you're just there, you're just outside, maybe getting some some sun and just uh, relaxing. So I see a lot of people do that now just by themselves. It might be during like a, a break from work or, or something like that. As you said, uh, traditionally, it's kind of a social thing. It's a social experience where you get together with a group of people and you enjoy that uh, cherry blossom experience together. But, yeah, more recent times I've seen a lot of people um, going out by themselves and doing it, especially during the pandemic as well mm. where the, you know, the government, government's been saying okay we don't want you guys to get together if you get together there's a higher chance of you you know spreading the the coronavirus so a lot of people have just been going out by themselves and enjoying the cherry blossoms and yeah that's fine i do that and you know, i take my camera along with me and get some photos and stuff like that so i, I don't mind doing it. i kind of enjoy it i think the pandemic has helped us out there i think <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah for sure yeah. Now, the next one is something I think I've mastered, which is the crowd. Um, the Sakura season is amazing and all, but oh my God, the crowd is one of a kind, especially before the pandemic. <laughs> but nobody really writes it online and they just make it as if like Sakura, like the Hanami thing is very magical. But then you go to the park and it's just so packed. Yeah, it is. Uh, some some spots are just like well, they're way too too overcrowded. So sometimes if there's too many people there, you can't really enjoy it because you're kind of conscious of what's going on around you, and uh, you know you don't want to interrupt or disturb other people mm -hmm. as well. So I don't like that kind of aspect of it. And I will always, when I'm planning my hanami party, I'm trying to avoid those kind of peak times. They're usually the weekend, right? Saturday, mm -hmm. Sunday. You know, there's things you can do to get around um, mm -hmm. going to those overcrowded places and. If you do, maybe choosing the, the day you go or the time you go will help you with that. Yeah, I think Tokyo is really bad for it. When I went there before COVID for Hanami, and then I was at Ueno, which is one of the worst places to go, I think. Oh, Ueno, oh, yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I've seen photos and uh, like yeah. online as well, and uh, the news always covers uh, Ueno Park, yeah. But Ueno has the weirdest people as well, so like, one, I'm not going into detail, but like when we were uh, doing our Hanami, other people would come up to you as well. Well, it's fun and all, but 
when they're drunk and they come up to you, it kind of makes it a bit awkward. So that's one thing for me, like the crowd really puts me off a bit, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing with Hanami too. A lot of, of course, people are drinking as well, so a lot of people get drunk, and some people like bring like karaoke machines and things like that. So they're having like a karaoke party outside as well, so it can be quite noisy uh, with things like going on like that. Uh, some people bring like a barbecue and set up like a barbecue as well. So for me, I'm, I'm similar to you, I guess. I, I like kind of a quieter spot with not so many people. I don't mind a few people around, but yeah, I kind of want a quieter spot so I can enjoy them to myself. And last but not least, the sakura and the highlight of the whole Japanese spring. And I know it's expectation versus reality, but I think the sakura is exactly what one expects. I think, in fact, it exceeds my expectations. You know, it's not only beautiful, but it has such a huge significance in the culture. We talked more about it in season 11, episode 1. So what about you, John? What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I think they ex- exceed any expectations you have, especially when you first come to Japan, you're kind of blown away by the sakura and just how, you know, how many sakura trees there are and just the impact that it has as well. I'm going to cause a little bit of a stir, though, and I'm going to maybe a bit of a controversial topic here. I'm going to say that some people, even maybe myself, I won't say this too loudly, but maybe even myself, <laughs> actually actually prefer the plum blossoms to Ooh. the cherry blossoms. Okay. Now, the plum blossoms, I'm gonna, I'll tell you a little bit of the story here. The plum blossoms were the original stars of spring. Hanami parties actually started for plum blossoms, not cherry blossoms. Mm-hmm. So the whole origin of Hanami was the plum blossoms, and this was during the Nara period of, of Japan. So the plum blossoms like the huge stars of spring in Japan uh, back in the day. And the reason why some people prefer them, uh, there's a couple of reasons. One is that the flower petals are actually more beautiful than the sakura flower petals. Also, they come in a, a range of colours as well. So you get like these really white or light pink colours, but then you get these dark red and dark pink colours as well. So if you go to like a plum grove, you can actually see like a, a contrast of different colours all there within the, the same area. Mm-hmm. So it's quite spectacular, especially if you're viewing it from above. And also another thing, the cherry blossoms don't have a fragrance or don't have a smell, but the plum blossoms have this beautiful, sweet fragrance. As soon as you hit a park or a garden with plum blossoms, you know they're there. You can actually smell them as well. So it's a little secret from from my end of things as well. Uh, If you love spring, uh, try and do the plum blossoms and the cherry blossoms. So Mm -hmm. it's good because the plum blossoms come up before the cherry blossoms. So normally they start flowering like um, end of January here in japan so it's kind of the end of winter right Mm. so they're kind of signaling okay spring is almost on the way and cherry blossoms signal that signal that spring is actually here like that so Mm. you can actually tie them both in and see plum blossoms and then after the plum blossoms see uh, the cherry blossoms as well so don't forget the plum blossoms is my advice as well. But, of course, yeah, the, the cherry blossoms as a sakura exceed anything that you can imagine. It's just a, a world of pink, basically. Mm. So anywhere you go, it's just like it's decorated in pink and it's just so spectacular that it will just blow your mind, yeah. Thank you so much for your time, John. It was so fun having you on the podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me. Okay, so before we wrap it up, um, I believe you've tried out our online learning system. What do you think of it and how do you think Nihongo Master's program is different from the others? Yeah, I, I really like it. For me, I've, as you know, I've been here in Japan a long time and I've been studying Japanese for a long time as well. So for me, the biggest challenge is always trying to stay motivated 
while I'm studying Japanese. It's just so easy for me to start, but then I, I put the, the book down or I stop going to the website and things like that. So for me, I need to keep myself motivated to keep studying the language. So I think that's one of the, the really cool points I like about uh, Nihongo Master is it's really interactive and it's really interesting. It's fun to do. So it keeps me motivated. And one point that I like about it is how you go from, you can move from one level to the next level. So you do something and you earn points. And if you earn enough points, then you can jump up to the next level. So for me, that's kind of like a, a small target or a small goal I have in mind. And it helps me stay motivated to try and achieve my goal and move up there. So I really like uh, that aspect of it. It has, you know, hundreds of lessons as well. So it's good for beginners, but it's also good for people like myself who have been in Japan a long time and have studied the language a long time. So there's lessons from beginners to advanced level. Another point I really like about it is the audio. Like the audio has been um, done by like native Japanese speakers. So you're getting like really authentic pronunciation. So I like listening to like difficult words that I find difficult to pronounce. You can listen to the native speaker pronounce it, but then you can try yourself. Like you can record your voice saying the pronunciation and then you can compare the two and see how your pronunciation matches up to the native speaker. And if your pronunciation is not so good, you can try again. You just keep practicing, keep practicing. So I really like that aspect as well. So I think it, the main thing is like it's, it's so fun. It's interactive and it's interesting to do it. So that keeps your motivation high. And I think that's the key. That's the most important thing when you're studying a language is to stay motivated. Perfect. Okay. And before I forget, where can people find you? What are your social media plugs? Yeah, I'm all over the place. You find me everywhere, basically. Uh, so on social media, my blog, Japan Australia, it's on Blogger. So if you go to japan-australia.blogspot.com, you'll find the blog. Or if you just go to Google and type in Japan Australia blog, it will come up like that. But I'm on uh, Twitter. You can find me there, uh, Japan underscore Australia. I'm on Instagram, the same, the same uh, handle there, Japan underscore Australia. Uh, on Facebook, you'll find me there, just Japan Australia, all one word. But uh, also for my travel work, the travel writing I do, you'll go to Google and type in John Asano. You'll find like a lot of my work there as well. I've written for websites like uh, All About Japan and Gaijin Pot, uh, Japan Guide and things like that. So you'll find my name kind of all over all over the place. But yeah, do give me a follow if you're interested in Japanese uh, culture and travel in Japan. Go along, check out my social media and give me a follow. I appreciate it. And that wraps up our fun and insightful interview episode with John from Japan, Australia. If you enjoyed this interview episode, let us know on our social media platforms. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also on our platforms, you can find the Tour of Japan campaign, where we drop fun and interesting info about the region we're covering for the month. And if you're keen on picking up some more Japanese for yourself, pop onto our official website, nihongomaster.com, to learn more about our interactive online learning system. At Nihongo Master, we offer efficient Japanese lessons that are quick, easy, and fun for Japanese language learners of all levels, from beginners to advanced. Our smart tools will assist you in areas where you need a bit of a push and congratulate you on the ones you waste. Get a subscription today and get a head start on your Nihongo journey with Nihongo Master. And thanks so much for listening in. Join me next time, where we'll be looking at another interesting part of the Japanese culture and language. Matane!